1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the
0: leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
2: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball.
0: Hey everyone, J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer, John Manuel joining you on a Facebook Live here on a Tuesday, as always, brought to you by Baseballism. Trade deadline was yesterday, so we're going to talk about that. There's been some very high-profile promotions to the big leagues today, and Jack Reinheimer. so we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll take your questions. But uh, before we do that, we do want to remind you, as always, that our podcast and Facebook Live are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Visit Baseballism to get cool gear like this, like this. And visit Baseballism.com to get stuff like this. So, as John removes the tag. <laughs> so, um, we start out, we have the trade deadline, we will talk trades, we'll take your questions about trades, I'm sure we'll get some of those. But we'll start out today, we've had some shortstops promoted today, some shortstops slash middle infielders, because Ozzie Albies has qualifies as the
2: shortstop slash second baseman now but the plot could thicken JJ if he plays some shortstop what happens what if he plays shortstop and plays well we never saw Freddie Freeman third baseman coming what if Ozzie Albies plays shortstop? John John Camargo gets hurt or gets banged up one day and the Braves play Ozzie Albies at shortstop and all of a sudden now Ozzie Albies looks looks good this clouds things we had we used to have Dansby Swanson and Ozzie Albies pretty close together then Dansby graduated, Ozzy Albies, we lost a little enthusiasm for him because he's really struggled from the right side, left side, side, he's right-handed pitchers, I'm sorry, Um, doesn't have a lot of impact in the bat, Um, but what happens if he gets hot in the major leagues? They use the juice balls there, Kyle. What happens if Ozzy Albies breaks, uh, breaks out? What do the Braves do? I think it's a good problem to have, and I wouldn't
1: say he doesn't have juice, I mean there's 21 doubles, 8 uh, career high, 9 home runs, I think you're seeing it come, he's still only 20, he was born his, in 1997. And his legs
0: provide some juice, because he turns singles right. into doubles. he's a
1: stronger guy, even though he's small. He's a small frame guy, I, I do feel like Ozzy Albies, the Braves can comfortably say, this guy's gonna be in our middle infield for the future, and gonna be a very good player. Now is that gonna be at second base, is it gonna be at shortstop? I think it's easy to run down the rabbit hole a little bit there. And you talk about, well, what if he comes up and has a great two months? Well, Dansby Swanson also came up last year and had a great two months. And now he's back in AAA. So I think it's always good to not get overly excited or overly down on a guy based on what they show in their first call-up, which is generally if it's two months of a call-up in the big leagues. That said, good moment and for the Braves having him break through. And them.
0: September's the easiest month to be called up because you get to face other September call-ups some too. But the thing about this is that the, I like about your question is, is people have to remember this was not something where Dansby Swanson was clearly the superior shortstop that, that's where I'm going is that Dansby Swanson is not a better is not a grade or a grade and a half better as a shortstop than Ozzie Albies
2: now one thing that Ozzie Albies consistently does that Dansby Swanson does not do is make contact this has been the one question we had about Dansby Swanson Going back to his Vanderbilt days, Vanderbilt players take a big hack. It just is the way they teach hitting. Good for them. I like it. Most pro scouts seem to like it, but you have seen some of these hitters. Brian Reynolds was one of them we saw lose a little draft helium, and we certainly saw it with Jared Kendall this year with the strikeouts. I mean, Dansby you could even go back to,
0: I mean, different yeah. type of player, but Pedro Alvarez.
2: Correct. But Dansby Swanson was really where we started to see it. That was the one caveat that scouts really had about him. You know, some scouts were more bullish on his power than others, but everyone thought that he would at least be average, you know, 45, 50 power. But he swings and misses a lot. 84 strikeouts in 95 games this year. I don't think that Ozzie Albies is in danger of doing that. That's just, he's a more contact-oriented hitter. And just, I'm just curious. This is going to be a moment a year ago when Dansby Swanson came up. I think we all thought, with good reason, that Dansby Swanson was the future face of the Atlanta Braves. I think that is in question. You just don't see faces of the franchise. I know you hate that phrase, but it's true. You just don't see those guys sent down I will very say often. One of the things with
1: Dansby Swanson, when I dug into it earlier in the year, I thought was fascinating, was he was swinging and missing on fastballs. Right. I mean, it was anything, you know, once he started getting to that 93-94 range, he was swinging through them, and that's a problem. It's one thing if, okay... Breaking ball recognition, you know, you can improve that a little bit. But when you can't catch up to average Major League fastballs, it's a little bit of a problem. And I think with Ozzie Albies, one of the other things that came up a lot, and one of the reasons evaluators thought his left-handed swing was a problem, was in fact his approach. Even though there wasn't a ton of, you know, strikeouts, and if you look at his season line, there was still a sense his approach was not conducive to what it should be in hmm. terms of taking these big uppercut hacks. Right. When in reality, he's a smaller guy who's Power incredibly, incredibly, incredibly fast, Drive the ball into the gaps. If you can elevate it, great. But going up there, taking these scooping, you know, talk about uphill swing path hacks. Also called not... launch angle. <laughs> these right. Days. But for, for that, for who he was, was not conducive. And that came back pretty consistently from scouts. And, there was some... and the K
2: rate is up this year. His strikeout rate it's, is up. But it's, you know, it's at
1: 20%. It's not like it's spiked to 28, 29. Right. So it's usable. And I think with Ozzy Albies you see the skills. You see incredible athleticism. You see the arm. I know Braves fans weren't very happy we dropped him in the midseason rankings, but that was just a reflection of, hey, there's a there's a hole here from one side, it's approach-based, he's gonna have to fix it. But defensively he's still a stud. Even though he was playing a lot of second basic when that when he came through here, you could see the quick twitch. You could see the first step oh, he's a quick. You could twitch see guy. the arm. I mean, there's no question this is a really good defensive middle infielder. And as long and he's only 20, as long as he makes right. the approach adjustments he should make and has the ability to make. There's no reason this guy can't be an everyday middle infielder for years to come, and maybe more so than Swanson if Swanson's bat speed turns out to be a problem. So just, just but, needs to
2: make an adjustment. It seems like it's show me that you can hit that velocity. Show me that if you can guess, that you can cheat when you have to. Dansby Swanson does have to show me, not me, I don't matter. But he has to show the Braves that he can make that adjustment. I just think it's a really interesting pivot to see that Swanson stays down, Albie's comes up.
0: So we're going to, Before we got, we got a lot of good questions already. Before we get to those, though, the other shortstop,
2: Jack I'm, Reinheimer, mm-hmm. of course.
0: The other shortstop who uh, we're <laughs> gonna talk about, Ahmed Rosario, comes up. I wrote the what to expect on him. I want to throw it out to you guys. If I'm being too optimistic here, to me, I look at where Ahmed Rosario is, and I think it's very similar to where Francisco, not the player Francisco Lindor, has already turned out to be, which is better mm-hmm. than what I expected because the power has been better. But what um what friend. Basically, it's what Lindor was expected to be coming when he arrived at the big leagues, which is a really premium defender who's going to hit for average, is going to run, and is going to have
1: a little bit of power. You know, he's a guy that when you talk to scouts based throughout the western half of the United States that had the PCL and Cali coverage, and you ask them that ultimate question, hey, who's the best guy you've seen this year? Um, Almond Rosario came up way more than anyone else. And there's really a belief that there will be more power than you think if you just watch the quality of contact. But what is
0: that? When you say more than you think, what 18 is 18 to 22. Okay, that's. I mean, it's,
1: it's, it's you know. So real, that's Lindor. Uh, that, then, er, he, then he's Lindor. Early in his career, you might see a little less, but I think there's an expectation that he's got the ability in terms of he's stronger than you think. He's got the ability to square up any pitch, any, any count, any velocity. I mean, this is a really, really gifted player, and that's why. You know, there's differences of opinion on some guys. Really, even once you get into that 2022 20, range, but you look across the game, the top five, six, seven, eight guys, it's pretty consensus because they reveal themselves very prominently. And Ahmed Rosario has done that
2: across oh, he's,
0: the board to everybody. He is easily one of the best prospects in baseball right now.
2: Yeah, if you, I mean, I, I know there, there's at least one ranking out there that had him number one in a mid-season ranking. I respect that. I mean, Ahmed Rosario, if you want to tell me that Ahmed Rosario winds up having a better career than Yoan Moncada, I believe that. Do I think he will? No, because I don't think he has the offensive upside that Yohan Moncada has. I know he has more defensive value because it's a shortstop, and I think a damn good one. But I don't think uh, 18 to 22 home runs would be, a, for me, a real leap. He has 17 as a professional. I, I don't. I don't. 18 to 22 would be that's significant projection. Just talking to guys in the Florida State League the last two years about him. I guess he started off last year there. People, I think the main thing is that the offensive game keeps improving, so you can project it. Right. But you're still—I think you're double projecting—not you, you, the scouts. You're you
1: ha- and you have to project, and that's one thing.
2: But I, it, I think you're—I think you're projecting too grades, because I think right now in the minor leagues he's been a three-power guy. He's in the PCL, the most offensive league in baseball, and his ISO is barely like 120 or so. It's not—that's in the PCL—that's well below average power. So. The thing that impresses me the most about Rosario is we've had him at three futures games now and two straight prospect pads. So you get to see him. You get to talk to him. A, this guy has some presence. He has some charisma. He can be
0: the his, shortstop in a New York
2: team. Right. But not just that, I think he has some clubhouse presence. I like his sense of humor. I like the fact that he's matured f- just talking to him the last two years and f- matured physically. He went from boyish last year to to boys to men this year he's you know he's uh it was uh, it will not be hard for him to say goodbye to yesterday when he gets to new york i think he gets to new york i think he stays there and i do think there's impact there i think your lindor comp is actually not a bad comp 18 to 22 home runs though i wouldn't i wouldn't see that for two to three years and maybe not four oh. to five years in that ballpark because i see i see him hitting for average more than power i think the average will always be ahead of the power but this guy is, has a chance to be I think a multi-time All-Star in New York. I mean, he is a star. I, I'm extremely bullish on Ahmed so Rezard. Best shortstop to come up for
0: them since Jose Reyes? Since Jose Reyes, he's he's Reyes easy.
2: And, and even if he doesn't... But not as toolsy, and, honestly, as Reyes. And, Probably and, the peak will be below.
1: And even if he doesn't get to that 18-22 you mentioned, he does so many other things. Well, even right. if it's 10-12, to 12, he's, oh, that's still, still one he of the a, a fantastic play. He
2: makes a lot of contact. He's, right. he's improved his walk rate the last couple of years. And he does impact the baseball enough that he hits for a high average. He's not a Judy, so... I really like Ahmed Rosario. I am bullish. I do think he's a notch below Lindor. I mean, like Lindor for me, in that clutch of best shortstops in the game right. already in year two, I think Rosario needs more development offensively and doesn't have that present strength that Lindor had when he got to the big leagues. So that's I was, fair. But, but I think that's a very, but I do think he's really going to be, I think he'll hit the ground running in New York. Uh, on to the questions, because we have a question
0: that ties into this. Paul Ives uh, asks, so why aren't they bringing up Dom Smith
2: with Rosario? I don't know that it's because of this, but I mean like Dom Smith is just not as good. And you wanna talk about having to project the power, you have to project the power. So they traded Lucas Duda, it would make sense for them to bring him up.
0: From that logical standpoint, like there's not, Jay Bruce is, you know, uh, they didn't trade away all their guys. Right. So, it's shocking
2: that Jay Bruce and Carla and Curtis Granderson and as Drubo Cabrera are, are, <laughs> are all still there. But hey, waiver trade deadline, you Yeah,
0: know. You Those guys know. are getting yeah, through. Those guys are getting through. So really your
1: answer is,
0: yes, the trade deadline has passed. However... The Mets are not done. The Mets are hoping for claims. I
2: think the Mets are hoping they're not done, A. B, they do also get to evaluate TJ Rivera a little bit more. And one of the places you can play him is you can play him at first. You can play Wilmer Flores at first, which they've done some this year. And you showcase Jay Bruce a little bit more. So I think those are the reasons why. But, I mean, for me, Dom Smith is a good prospect. He's a couple of notches below Ahmed Rosario for me. I don't see him. I see him as very good.
0: I don't see him as a leader. So, Kyle, this one I want to, I'm going to send your way. Uh, Kevin Rotert. Rotert? T R O T R T. Kevin Rotert. Rotert. Thank you. How many? How did the Yanks get away with a trading guy with major injuries for Gray? I thought guys had to pass physicals.
1: Where's Manfred? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know what? It's always one of those things. We don't know what the other deals on the table were for him. So maybe that is the best deal they could get. We've seen, you know, aside from... Well,
0: what, well, first to answer the question, if you're trading for a guy who's injured, and you know he's injured, they don't have to pass the physical. That's, but, sorry, now I'll explain why they wouldn't take those guys.
1: Because you're going on the upside, right? James Caprillian is a guy that you think can be a front-of-the-rotation type of pitcher. Dustin Fowler, you think, can be an everyday, all-around outfielder. And if you believe in Jorge Mateo, he's a versatile middle infielder. Thing is, not everyone believes in all three of those outcomes all working out. The ace took a risk here. Now, is it going to pay off? Maybe. I mean, I would put the odds at maybe 30-70, to 70, but... If that 30% is enough for you, sure. It, well, uh, what's interesting to me about this is, is that
0: if this does work out, they could end up getting the best haul that they could have gotten. Because yeah. if it all works out, Dustin Fowler could be an everyday outfielder who, by his all well-rounded game, impacts the game.
2: He's a, nice, he's a really nice player. Pretty and a great, and a, again, the, to me, it's really fascinating that the Yankees have gotten a lot better at developing hitters in the last couple of years. I don't know if it's because Mark Newman is no longer the farm director, but for a long time, the Yankees could not develop an everyday regular to save their life from Cano and Brett Gardner through like Austin Jackson, but like Jesus Montero, a lot of guys who were touted and even the Yankees scouting department would say, we're pretty good at developing pitchers. So ties in a go for us in the draft to the pitcher. Now you see Gary Sanchez, that was a guy where they were very patient with Gary has been Sanders. around long enough that he spans the, you know. He, he spans he's been, both of them, you know. but he got better the last two years. Um, Aaron obviously, Dage. Aaron Judge is the yeah, obvious you know? answer, but Clint Frazier now to the big leagues. He spent a year in their farm system. They're hitting on some of these guys, and I think that's a big factor to me that the even other teams are trading for Yankees hitting prospects because if Ken Rosenthal of Facebook.com is to be believed – uh, Ken said, like, late, the Rangers, was it the Rangers? No, someone else tried to get in with the A's on uh, this sunny gray train. It was the Cardinals, including offering Stephen Piscotty. And the A's said, no thanks. With one we, of Weaver Flaherty. Right. We prefer the Yankees' prospects. I don't think that would have been the case three or four years ago. I think the whole industry was leery of overhyped Yankees' prospects. But now you see them doing something in the big leagues, and I think it adds a sheen to players like Fowler and, and like Jorge Mateo, who's divisive in our office. I like him. And Matt Eddy, we both like him a little bit better than you two guys like him.
0: And the thing of this is I like him, but I like him as the third guy.
2: He's the third guy in this deal. Right. So he's the second guy for me because James Caprillion's made three, three starts. I love James Caprillion. I love the makeup, but he's pitched three times that count in the last year, two years. That, that, that's a factor for me. I mean, there's, there's a And lot, the, there's the mechanics a lot of are flies. what they are. The he, mechanics no to me
0: more, is to be more – the concern is, is the mechanics are what they are. But at the same time, if, and this is the big if, but if, he's, if he comes back, his stuff bounces back, what it was before the injury, and he's healthy, he has the chance to be the best pitcher in the A's rotation.
2: Yeah, I have to, th- I have to look at who else the A's have, because they, they've traded for a lot of guys, and so far, not Maybe. so good. Hey, does James Caprillion want to learn a cutter? Get ready to learn one, James, when you get to the A's. I
1: do want to go back, though, and again, part of the study we did where we went back and looked at how many of these trades actually work out and the three good prospects for one veteran trade, generally speaking, one of them turns out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, having all three of the guys that you trade for a veteran, not unlikely, pretty much never. Not not right. Not, I mean, we're talking two times in uh, about a decade. I was gonna say, when you say never. Right, Zach Greinke, Zach Granke and the and the Royals. That was a good trade right. for the Royals. Well,
2: but by the time the deadline deals, which yeah. we've established, have a different, you know, they, they are different, different, harder to. Have well, those well if you're gonna pick one of those three guys, Jorge Mateo has the highest floor. A, he's healthy. That, <laughs> he that helps. It, B, he's a up the middle guy for sure. C, he's in double A, and he D, he has speed, which does not slump. He has the highest floor of those guys. He doesn't have the highest ceiling. You could argue Caprillion has a higher ceiling. I would argue he has the highest floor. Before the injury, I would have said Dustin Fowler. Absolutely. Was clearly better. But right now. If Dustin, Fla- if Dustin Fowler he- stayed healthy, there's a good chance
0: that Clint Frazier might have been in this deal. Right. Because. The- Fowler was can- ahead. I would
2: agree. No, I like Dustin Fowler. But I'm saying from a floor standpoint, I, I, think, yeah. I think Jorge Mateo and Jorge Mateo might be a guy whose best years are five years from now. And maybe one or two teams from now. I do think he's gonna be a big league regular at some point
0: next one goes to you John Harvey Irving says will the Blue Jays contend in 2018 or it will be another drought and famine until Shapiro is
2: let go well not just because I'm a fellow Greek but I was all about Alex Anthopoulos and the job that he did in Toronto and the new Toronto regime I don't think that they've made so many bad moves that that's why the Blue Jays are struggling right now I old. think part of the reason that they're struggling right now is the moves that Alex made to get them over the top to back-to-back playoff uh, series the last two years, he traded a lot of talent for that team to get there. And they're hurting a little bit there because, like you said, they're older at the big league level. So, But the biggest reasons are the guys are paying $20 million a year to, two. Uh, Troy Tolowitzky and Russ Martin are no longer $20 million a year players. So I do think they can contend. Um, I'm not sure, I haven't delved into it enough, what happened to Marco Estrada? I don't know what happened. But Marco Estrada turned back into a pumpkin. But it's conceivable that he comes back next year and is better. And that Marcus Stroman is Marcus Stroman. And the, the biggest X factor and the, P, the biggest reason they're not uh, successful this year is Aaron Sanchez. He's their best pitcher and he's been on the disabled list it's either two or three times. So a healthy Aaron Sanchez, Stroman bounce back year from Estrada, get what you get out of J-Hap. That, that's their strength. That, that right now it's been a weakness. That could be a strength for the, for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And as long as you, but, but the identity of the team has completely flipped under the new administration. Two years ago, this team powered its way to the playoffs with a ferocious offense. They are no longer ferocious. In fact, they're closer to toothless, like an actual Blue Jay, which has no teeth. But it's ferocious, and we'll pick the hell out of you. you know, it's, it's they, they, they don't have a big offense anymore. And I don't know if it's because they lost Ed Wing or not, but they are now a punchless offense. I mean, it's
1: the aging curve, and it happens. And one of the things you talk about is these guys have gotten old now. If the trade-off was, hey, you can make two straight ALCS appearances, especially for a franchise that was 20 yeah. years plus without a postseason appearance, but there's going to be a down year or two after it, you take that trade every time, and that's, that's the bargain they made, and I think you're okay with that. I would, I would agree. Next, next one. It.
0: So we got a Cubs question. Brian Peters asks, I know the Cubs system is down, but my question is this. A lot of their best talent is in the lay, way lower levels. Is there a stage ball players have to reach double AA, a triple a before they're considered among the top
2: prospects I mean from the Cubs standpoint just ranking their guys you'd love for those guys to be in full season ball I wouldn't say uh, you know but when you say lower levels a lot of the Cubs prospects are in like Arizona and Eugene you know like their highest upside guys their highest upside position player may well be Aramis Ottoman the shortstop long uh, high high-waisted um, actually kind of a Nico Goodrum type of body not as tall but like really long legs and really short torso, but left-handed hitting $2 million shortstop out of the side of the Dominican a couple years ago. He's hitting for power in Eugene. I don't think anyone in that organization saw it coming. Um, He might be their highest upside position player. And Jose Alberto's is probably their highest upside pitcher, but they're both in short season ball. Alberto's has made five starts this year. It's like, he almost envies James Caprillion's durability. so that's why they're not top 100 guys because there's a lot of volatility there. But, and that's really what it is. There's a lot more risk to all their high-ceiling prospects. But I, I will
0: go a step further and say, but no, if you're being very optimistic, if you look at this group that they have right now and say it's just that they're far away, for one, they are almost lacking in position player prospects, almost by design, because if you look right. at the drafts that they've done, they needed pitching. And so it has been all about the pitching. The reality of it is, is it is hard to see the next Cubs prospect that is going to be a top 25 prospect in the game.
2: Because I think it might be? But I mean, be. and that's the thing from an upside standpoint. And that won't be till next year, more than likely. I mean, he would have to have a breakout next mm-hmm. year. Um, but they really don't, like position player wise. The Tigers got their last two best guys: Jamer Candelario. Uh, He's—I was surprised that he didn't go straight to Detroit, but he's in a right now. And then Isaac Paredes. I prefer Paredes because. Uh, younger chance to stay in the dirt. I think cha- more of a chance to be an above-average big-league player or I think Jameer Candelaria has a chance to be an average big-league regular, which is would be fine But Mark Zagunas kind of fringy right now. I thought he actually would have been a, a good fit for certain teams I think mean, he'd be a good fit for the Cubs if he could hit in the big league because he could actually draw yeah, some walks I, and lead I, I do want to circle back to
1: the initial question though, which was you know, what's the level and I think one of the things that has come up Again again, again. Yeah, first of all jumping doing slaying in complex leagues Versus doing something in full season ball is night and day. Yeah. And then what has been said to me ever since I started doing this back the Victorville Daily Press and what has hmm. revealed itself to be true again and again and again and again, the jump from high A to double A is the single largest jump in the minor leagues because that's where your tools have to be skills. Right. At a at that's the point where if all you still have are tools, sorry, you got but, you're not going to succeed. So but, for me, once a guy makes the successful jump to double A that's when you can elevate them even more. But especially, I think, once they're in full season ball, then you can really start to say, this is really, so there's and really the something answer. here. Yep. And then double A is where, okay, this guy, the right. elite re- really cause, separate. Because I'll themselves. say, like, but you can also, you look at our top 10 right now, and there are
0: guys in it who are in class A, one of whom happens to be an ex cub, Eloy Jimenez. Right. And the reality of it is, is that the top players jump out. And they can do that in A-ball. But the reality of it is is that there are very few of those. And Chicago has had, the Cubs have had, had more than their that. share. Exactly. Yeah. They've had their share and about seven other teams' share and over the of, last few years. And the
2: thing is, some of their high-ceiling players, you know, they, even these low-level guys who do have high ceilings, they might turn out to be Javi Baez. I mean, Javi Baez is talented, but he's significantly flawed. He's never seen a high fastball he doesn't like. Or a breaking ball in the dirt. And, fastball and up here. So, yeah, fastball up, breaking ball in the dirt. Fastball up. You don't have to...
1: say, oh, you want to swing at three curveballs in the dirt?
2: Okay. You don't have to mix it up too much uh, to get high. And, and, again, talk about adjustments. He hasn't made those adjustments. So, um, But he's a productive big league player, but there are limits to it. So, um, the days of the Cubs just churning out superstar hitters, there's going to be a little drought here. But, fortunately for them... They have a lot of those guys, and they, you know, for me, they might wind up having 3 or 4 with you know, Bryant and Rizzo. The next one may just be Wilson Contreras, and that was a guy who did not figure and, it out and, until he got the double A and, and, uh, and it really clicked. And
1: here's where it's kind of funny for me, there's people who are freaking out, oh man, you know, it's obviously you always want to have some talent in your farm system, it's better to have that than not have it, but if you have to choose, I'd rather have a good young core of hitters. In the major leagues versus a good young core of hitters in my farm system, yeah. you take what's in the major leagues. Every and franchise. Cubs, and the Cubs have that. So I think it's kind of funny sometimes. The priorities seem to be shifted about what fans are freaking out about. With the group you've got in the major leagues, it's okay. They're, your farm Absolutely. system is empty because they all ascended to the majors. That's a good thing. Next question, Mike Elliott. Why has Boston been somewhat quiet? Because they don't have prospects to trade aside, Rafael, De- Rafael Devers. I they,
0: now so they, they have to say top-notch prospects. Right. I was gonna say the thing about it is, is we have established
2: the, the Angels and the Marlins and who else was it this week that uh, made a trade that had a bad foreign system? Oh, we were. Oh, it was the Royals. Yes. The, the, the Royals and the Marlins and the Angels. Those are three of the bottom five. And Royals and Marlins are. That so might be twenty-nine and thirty. Say, I, the Angels so they have figured out a ways. They
1: started. To move <laughs> they're they're the not they're better. not far above the Royals. Right, <laughs> but, but they're better. But they yeah. they've so a little they're not thirty.
2: So, but these 29 and 30 systems, Kansas City and Florida, those of Mar- the Miami Marlins, they figured out ways to make trades. So, if you wanted to make a trade, you could make it. But I, I, it feels like Boston has decided they're going to go with what they've got, which is you know, banking on more, these hitters showing more power in a post big poppy world. And then uh, that Rick Porcello will be better and that David Price will get healthy. Those aren't bad bets. I, I can understand and, and why. Xander Bogart's yeah. had a
1: horrendous July. You know, He's all, on three
2: down. I just read that. Yeah,
1: and, and something where right now, I mean, the Red Sox, for all the, the hand-wringing, this was their first losing month. It's not like they've completely tanked the entire season. They're right in the thick of the playoff race. A lot of their guys are not performing their best. You know, the Red Sox didn't need, oh, man, we've got to add at least two more bets. You know, go with the guys you got. They've got plenty of talent. Hope and, they get a little better. There's still two and, full months left and, in the season. And Rafael Devers... Four hits last night. It does not mean... By that boy 80s, good. But that
0: boy good. If yeah. he is... If he basically gives you a Ben esque final uh, month, two months of the season, then your third base problem is, is largely
1: solved. And, you know, bringing in Eduardo Nunez, bringing in Addison Reed, that's not nothing. Those no, that's... Got, those are helpful big league pieces. Right, and, then, you know, I mean, I, and... Again, the Addison
0: Reed deal to me is the trade. Those are the kind of trades to me that every contender should have made because we have seen... Having four, three to four wipeout arms in your bullpen is the difference between winning and losing a and, and
2: that trade kind of makes you, the low, low cost of Addison makes you wonder, well, then why did they trade three guys for Tyler Thornburg. Tyler Thornburg was really good last year, and it's just bad luck that he got hurt, I, I think. Right,
0: but Travis Shaw but is what, better than yeah. by himself.
1: I think we can all agree
2: that was an overpay, and it was an overpay at the time. I mean, it was kind right.
1: of clear, so. But... It seemed
2: it seemed vexing at the time. JJ, I do want to ask okay. you, John Urkela asks, if the Braves made a move this winter for Michael Fulmer, when are you talking about cost control? That's a cost-controlled, good, young, big league pitcher. What package from Atlanta's top 10, and he should have said top 30, could Detroit, uh, you know, Perloin from Atlanta? You you are the master of all things brace prospect right now. What would they See, get? Okay,
0: so let's say that, let's say that a cost for Fulmer is, I would say less than Quintana, that's fair, but it's still a significant package. So you're not gonna get, you're basically the Eloy version of the Brace, which is a Cunha. But, right, right. But I do think you start with, it's an Albies or it's, you know, you're probably talking about at least two pitchers if that happened, which would be like you're talking about an Allard or Soroka. Again, yeah, you've you got you insist
2: on one of those guys.
0: Insist on one, maybe both. Like to me, 6 months out, between, Kyle Wright could be available. Kyle Wright, you know, but to me, you're, you're talking about at from. least two of those guys. And then you are talking about going a little bit lower down, which is the Tuki Toussaint or maybe it's a Christian Pache or maybe it's, you know, an Austin Riley. Guys like that, and maybe still, you know, again, that to me, yeah, if you're saying could the Braves make that trade, absolutely. I do think that this offseason is when the Braves will start making more of those moves because it is time. It is time for them at that point to say, we will take our prospect depth and make our current wave and hey because you got to draw some fans to build a dome over that stadium (laughs) how many how many rainouts
2: have they had this year
0: it's a disaster but 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 again we were talking about this before we started this but freddie freeman being able to play third base kind of opens up some options too
2: it does because if freddie freeman
0: is your third baseman you know then you say huh that fills a hole
2: why didn't canada think of this when they had they could have had vado and freeman what were they thinking and then yeah. you could have moved Brett Lawrie to third to shortstop. I guess he's not even playing anymore anywhere. So uh, might have helped. Maybe they should have tried Freddie Freeman at shortstop. So uh, we got Kyle got a
0: prospect question for you, which is Jack Cecil asked, "How has your outlook on Daniel Johnson changed?" Seems very similar to Jose Siri. Now, unlike Siri, Daniel Johnson does not have a Midwest League record. Thirty-six game hitting streak. Uh, very I think forgettable
1: game. This afternoon. Oh, I yeah, already got to. Yeah, they had an afternoon game. Hey, he got I, I got to start writing.
0: I got to pre- dust off the uh, the Francisco Mejia hit streak charts. You know that uh, right. were updated just last year, so those are fresh.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what you see, guys. You know, it's kind of fun. There's always college. Every year, I feel like there's reports we get on college performers, and you say, "Well, I don't, I don't know how the hit's going to be." But you look at it, and the hit is there demonstrably. But, you know, so it's people trying to project, well, it worked at this level, but not this level. Daniel Johnson's a guy, he always hit at New Mexico mm-hmm. State. And he's but it was, like, it was New
0: Mexico, so right. it's like you went, well, it's well 500 average there is pretty good. It's not, right. will blow you New away. New but...
1: Mexico <laughs> State plays really, really low. Like, talk about, what and is altitude. Low, well, low-level D1. Like, we're talking about division one schools across yes. the country. But, like, even in the context of the WAC, it's like, in all athletics, like the bottom of the and, whack. And he
0: has tools, too. I, mean, you know, like you know, I like your Siri comp from the standpoint of, this is the guy who's really...
1: Th- I didn't say it. But no, no, no <laughs> I'm not here, not Uh-oh. No, I,
0: you know, the, the question. Yeah. You know, comps from Siri, and I would say that he has legit tools. He can really throw. And if you said breakout, he is... I, I don't want to compare him to Austin Hayes because Austin Hayes is a better
2: prospect and has moved quicker. That's, but he's, he's, he's a little bit lesser, because I think his tools are a little bit below. He probably runs better than But that Austin is the Hayes. other breakout but college performer. I, lo- I love that you just mentioned that, because I was to say, Austin Hayes has been the one that's been on my radar, and I didn't realize until yesterday, I think we had a question on Twitter about this, um, and about Daniel Johnson. I looked him up, I was like, oh, that New Mexico State guy, yeah, and he's yeah. having a great he's year. A great I highlight
1: him in helium, because, again, it's one of those things, there's always those two or three guys who slip through, like, they've always hit, but yet there were seemingly doubts about it, And at some
0: point the doubts go away when you keep hitting also the kind of Boba Schatz says yes
2: (laughs) Also the kind of that the Nationals needed this is an organization that you know could use a breakout minor league player And they've had a couple of them, but when healthy Juan Soto broke out this year And then obviously Victor Robles is a great player a great prospect who still hasn't quite taken that next I think we would have predicted him to take the Ronald Acuna leap that Ronald Acuna's taken like at the beginning of the year if you'd said Victor Robles contending for Minor League Player of the Year, he'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But instead, Acuna's kind of had the year that we thought that Robles would have. But so for a Nationals organization that could use some good prospect news, I mean, first, I guess the best news that they've had is Brian Goodwin graduating from prospects and being productive in the major leagues for them when they've kind of needed him. But Johnson's been the other one. And that's just a power speed guy. Uh, he's pretty interesting. I, I like that story.
0: Before we wrap up, we did promise also we were going to talk about the fact Adrian Beltray. Uh, we're not going to oh, talk yeah. about. We're <laughs> not going to talk about the uh, the manufactured uh, Adrian Beltray story of today. That is shame, shame, Doug Gottlieb. But that we will not. But we did want to talk about. John and I had a rather uh, interesting animated, we, we have animated discussions.
1: I heard it through, my, my cubicle is a couple down from their office. We all heard it in
0: the office. So
2: and basically what it came it down, down through to my headphones. headphones. Some things can't be helped. The microphone actually for this Facebook Live is actually two rooms away. So but,
0: <laughs> but the question was, is, is Beltre, Beltre Hall of Famer is not a no question. question. <laughs> not a question. And what we really is, is where does Beltray end up among the all-time third baseman my case for putting him in that upper circle, that, that highest echelon of third baseman, really is, admittedly, it comes down to defense, which is defense is exceptional, and longevity that has allowed him... My big point is, is, is still to be determined because the key part is, is, I know he's been hurt this year, but when healthy, he continues to hit. He's at 3,000 hits now. He, if he wants to stick around... It's not inconceivable. When you get to three thousand hits, you aren't that far from going from being one of the you know okay three thousand is already thirty one
2: guys with three thousand hits right. It's a very
0: high bar already, but you get to 3,500, 3, and then you are in the top ten of all time. You get to thirty five hundred, you could end up in the top five of all time. I think
1: about you know Tony Gwynn. He's at three one four one, and it's an, an astounding correct and. It, with Adrian Beltre and what puts him really in the same echelon for me as the Mike Schmidts, the Brooks Robinsons, the the Eddie is the all-time great third baseman, there's a lot to be said for longevity and it's kind of funny when people talk about oh the numbers compilers. Do you know how hard it is to be at an elite level in Major League Baseball for eighteen years, nineteen right? years? That's insane. So don't you know, the compiler argument holds no water. This is a guy who has been, you know, even his quote unquote down years with the Dodgers and Mariners were still pretty darn good. Partly yeah. because the
0: glove was exceptional. And,
1: right. and then, you know, everything comes together. I mean, I, I don't think there's an argument this guy isn't one of the 10 best third basemen of all time. 10 best is easy. You know, Right, I, but
2: easy. Inner Circle is top five. And for me, it's an easy top five that doesn't include Brooks Robinson, actually. It's no. Chipper Jones, it's Wade Boggs, it's Michael Jack Schmidt, it's Eddie Matthews, and I'm forgetting the George fifth Brad. tenner, George Brett. Those are the guys. Schmidt and Brett drafted, I think, back-to-back, back-to-back picks, picks. Back-to-back. in 1970. El Segundo High, George Brett. I, I will repeat the old story. I love the story that Brent Strom of the Astros now told me that Rod Data told him in the 1970 College World Series, they're facing Ohio University with Michael Jack Schmidt on it. Maybe it's Miami of Ohio, whichever one. And he's going over the report the Dodgers gave him. He goes, if this guy were this good, he'd be a Trojan. But that's how good Mike Schmidt was <laughs> back then. Um, I love that line. But for me, Beltray slots in behind those guys. And the defense is significantly better than some of those guys, but the, the bat is so far behind Matthews, Schmidt, Brett, and Boggs. And I would say Chipper as well. Those guys, I mean, Adrian Beltre, I'm not trying to poke holes in him. I do think a little of the praise of him this week, and it's good to praise him. He deserves it all. He's a top 10 third baseman. You could argue him six ahead of Brooks Robinson for me. That's an interesting debate. I have to delve into that, but... Those other guys are like 140, 1 uh, 140-ish OPS pluses, and very high on base percentages and power. Adrian Beltre is a career 336 on base percentage. I'm sorry, he's not top five all time third base with a 336 on base percentage. He's just not. That is, if you wanted to pick one offensive measure, that's probably the most important one, and 336. Mm-mm. That does not put you in the top five I, all time. I, I, it's an argument again. We're four, have, we've, four we've, ten. I think it is for Brett, and four eighteen for Boggs. It's. I mean, Chippers over four hundred. Those guys, in Chipper hit for power. Similar era player, far superior offensively. It's it's a fun debate. I, I I have to say,
0: by having it, John has swayed me more to his to his argument. And by volume. But but the other <laughs> thing, we have information as well. This is only interesting to John and I. But Beltray. I know Beltre is the only player left in the big leagues, if Bart, if you don't count Bartolo Colon, depending on when, what, what hour we're talking about this oh, next. Oh, oh. <laughs> but he's the only player left who precedes my, he's a big leaguer before I was a baseball American. Hmm. Beltre, I don't know if there's anybody around. I was going to say, Beltre does not <laughs> do that for you. I got a lot of guys. But Beltre was, I believe, a Dodger before you were at Baseball America. Or it's right at it. So
2: what did he sign? Ninety-seven. 97?
0: 97. He signed as a fifteen-year-old.
2: Right, but I think I but I started September 96. So yeah, so, well, I want to say. Don't yeah. know if he signed by then. the
1: debut was 99. That's the year Kyle 90s. was born, right? I'm <laughs> kidding. No, I'm not that young. Uh, I'm I was I'm an
2: 80s I'm an eighties born. I'm getting old. Je-
0: Jeff Sansbury, by the way. But did Schmidt check his own swing or and a home run from one knee?
2: <laughs> no, but no one had that five hundredth home run. But, little shimmy. By, by the way, like by
0: the way, I do say if you're saying. The, if the uh, if the upper echelon of third baseman is one, it's Mike Schmidt. For me. Yeah,
2: for me it is Mike Schmidt. Although Eddie Matthews offensively it's, kind yeah. of underrated. That <laughs> no. guy walked a ton and hit 500 home runs. I mean, it <laughs> was he's, pretty good. Incredible. That can,
1: him and Hank Aaron in the same lineup—that's really something to think about. That's
2: that's all time. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's that's Yankees esque. I mean, it was the... and just like the Braves, they won one World Series. They had these two all time players. They won one World Series in Milwaukee, and in Atlanta they had this all time rotation. They, had a, they won one World Series. That's with, their quota. With, with, with a Hall of Fame third baseman and right. a field at the same time. That's right.
0: And a fringe, I oh, know I'm biased, fringe a, fringe, a fringe Hall of Fame center
2: fielder and a fringe and Hall of Fame first baseman. Was, those are great Braves teams. They just ran into better Yankees teams. I don't think they ever choked. I really just think that the, the Braves dynasty was great. The Yankees dynasty was one better. Was one better. That's, that's a perfect way to end this. We thank you for all the questions. We had a lot of
0: great questions. We couldn't get to all of them, obviously, but we do thank you for all of them. Uh, for Kyle and John, I'm JJ. We would thank you again. Today's podcast and Facebook Live was brought to you as it always is by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off the field brand of baseball, offering apparel. We've got hats, we've got shirts. They've actually even got other cool gear, too. Visit baseballism.com to check it all out. We appreciate it. We thank you, and we'll be back next week for another Facebook Live.
2: This concludes our program. Want more in depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan.